Amazing Grace Kona welcomes you to today's lesson from Pastor Izzy Manzo. Our prayer is that today's lesson will spiritually feed and uplift you. Now, here's Pastor Izzy. Well, guys, would you turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 15, in verse 1. We read this, it says, And early in the morning, this is the morning, the next morning, they, they, the chief priest, oh, by the way, you remember, they arrested Jesus at night and took him away to to this little trial. By the way, in Jewish culture, were they allowed to try a person at night? No. So that whole beating, that first beating he got at night after the being in the garden, that was not even supposed to be allowed. But early, it says, in the morning, the chief priests and elders and scribes and the whole council immediately held a consultation. And it says, in binding Jesus, they led him away and delivered him up to Pilate. And he's the one with the authority for the Roman government. And so Pilate questioned Jesus, said, are you the king of the Jews? And answering him, he said to him, it is as you say. And the chief priest began to accuse Jesus harshly. And Pilate questioning him said, do you make no answer? See how many charges they bring against you? With their charges, does he ever answer them? No. He just stays quiet. And Jesus made no further answer, verse 5 says, so that Pilate was astonished. Now it says, at the feast, he used to release for them any one prisoner whom they requested. This was Pilate's way of smoozing over the crowd once a year during their great Passover holiday. He would show his generosity and let one prisoner go just to kind of keep good public relations, we'll call it. And so verse 7 says, and, the, and there was a man named Barabbas. Now, this guy Barabbas was a murderer and an insurrectionist. So he did both. And it says, and the multitudes went up and began asking Pilate to do as he had been accustomed to do for them. Could you give us a prisoner like you usually do? And Pilate answered them saying, do you want me to release the king of the Jews? For he was aware, it says, that the chief priests had delivered him up because of envy. It's amazing the things what men will do because of envy, because of jealousy. Now, in James chapter 3, in verses 13 to 16 there, we were studying last night the college and career group that there's wisdom from above and there's wisdom from below or natural, earthly wisdom, but then also that demonic wisdom. And we were trying to discern how do they know when that voice is from God. By the way, any of you know a verse in the Bible that tells you how to know whether something is from God or from man? That, that someone says, and you shall know whether it is from God or from man. Turn to John 7. I'm gonna, I promise I'll come back to Mark. Don't worry, Jesus is still going to get beat up and everything. But if I teach everybody this part, I think I'll, before the rain hits, I'll do well. In John's Gospel, chapter 7, and I've shared you, this with you before, but this is really the source of all discernment when it comes to really knowing whether something is from God or from this just earthly wisdom or from demonic from below. If Peter can go from you're the Messiah to the next thing Jesus said was, I'm going to go die, right? And Peter says, by no means, Lord, don't, don't even talk like that. You don't need to die. And Jesus said, get thee behind me, Satan. One minute he's got a revelation from God. In the next minute, he has one from Satan. By the way, is anyone else glad that they recorded that about Peter other than me? That he could go from really tuned in one minute to 
tuned in the wrong channel the next. I mean, he literally jumped from heaven above to Satan himself below. I mean, that talk about a bad, but I don't know about you, but I feel good about that. Only from the standpoint of, have you ever really tried to seek the Lord really hard? And you're right in the middle. You're, you're, God's Spirit is working with you about something. And then all of a sudden, you had the most carnal thought ever flashed across your brain. You're like, where'd that come from? Don't worry. You're not bipolar. You're just a human. Plagued with the very thing, even what Peter was, that we have revelation sometimes from God, and the next minute we have ones from somewhere else. And we need to be able to recognize where is it coming from. And how shall I know? Now, I'm going to use Jesus for my authority on this, because if anyone knows how to tell where something is from, it'd be him. And in John chapter 7, verse 15, the Jews, therefore, were marveling at Jesus. They said, that, how did this man become so learned? having never been educated. You know, he didn't go through our seminary. How does he know all this stuff about God? <laughs> That's a giveaway for us that know. I mean, where did Jesus get all his info? From God. He said, I came from the Father. I just, I only say the things which the Father has me to say. I only do the things what I see the Father doing. He, he didn't even have to come up with his own material because he was tapped in. To our Father above. And Jesus therefore answered them. He's going to give the source of all discernment. How you will know. Jesus said. My teaching is not mine. It is him who sent me. But how would they know that? Read verse 17. John seven seventeen. Highlight this please for me in your Bibles if you would. This verse says. If any man is willing to do his will, God's will, the Father, that he shall know of the teaching, whether it is of God or whether, he says, I speak from myself. You know, whether man is coming up with it. How do you know whether it te well, how do you know whether what I'm teaching you today is from God or not? I'll give you the source of discernment. It's from Jesus' words. If you are willing, Lord, I'm willing to do whatever you tell me to do today. I'm just willing. You just, you show me. When you are willing, how hard is it for God to show you if something is from him or not? It's easy. You go, nah, because even Jesus himself said, Father, not my will. Remember what he said about, he's a, when he was praying just, just over there in the garden before he got arrested. I don't want to drink this cup. But nevertheless, not what I will, but God's will be done. When you are a person, and by the way, I taught the kids this last night. This is what I call heart check. If you want to know, you have something flash across your mind. You're driving. You see someone broke down on the side of the road. You're thinking, should I stop and help them? And you're not sure. Some of the kids told me, I, I ain't stopping. Why not? Well, I don't know. Did you, did you ask God, God, do you want me to stop? Do you say, Lord, I'll do whatever you want. If you want me to stop, I'll stop. If you don't want me to stop, I'll keep going. If you're just willing, this is where it comes down to real heart check. Are you willing to do his will? Because you really won't know the answer if something is from the Lord or from even the, the devil. If you're not willing. As soon as you start saying, I want what I want, you know, my will be done. 
my interests come first. By the way, who said his interests came first when, um, well, it was the story I just alluded to. When Peter said, by no means, Lord, you don't need to die. Jesus rebuked him. Get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your interests on the interests of God now, but on the interests of, of man. You know, all of a sudden, Peter's like, you can't die, Lord. We've had three great years of free lunches. We eat free dinner. We got places to stay, lodging, everything because of you. Who's he thinking about? Peter, himself. And by the way, every time your focus is on yourself, your discernment stinks. Your discernment meter just went, turn to the wrong side. Because when you put your interest on you, me, 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 it's all about me. What happens to the other people around us? We'll step all over them. We don't care. We're trying to get what we want. Jesus said, if you want to be great in my kingdom, you be the servant of, of all, of others, not yourself. In fact, the Bible says, deny yourself. You want to follow Jesus? He says, okay, deny yourself, pick up your cross, and come follow. Who, by the way, who said this line? Jesus. Deny yourself. You want to be my follower? Deny yourself. You want to get good revelations from God? You want to be sure that what you're hearing, where is it from? Just ask yourself, heart check. If what I'm thinking about, is this really from the Lord? Hmm. Am I willing to do whatever God tells me? In whatever he speaks to me. As soon as you make that little adjustment in your heart, do you know what will happen to your ability to tell whether it's from God or not? Your, your discernment. Will, I told the kids, this is how you get to learn. Because they're always like, well, yeah, you say God showed you to do this or God showed you to do that. And you have all these awesome things that God does for you when you, when you do this. I never had that. If I had that, yeah, yeah, oh, I believe in that. It's like it's available to everyone. If I would just be willing to do whose will, not mine, God's will, then I would know. Now, do, is this good authority here? This is Jesus himself. If he says, you will know. Okay, question. Will you know? You will know whether it's from the Lord. You will know. And that's where the kids are like, how are you so confident that the Lord showed you these things? How do you know it's the Lord? Well, it's funny. I, I got to teach a more subtle, like, nuances of this truth that we learn it from James 3. The wisdom above is pure and peaceable and gentle. and It's not full of envy and striving and all kinds of disorder. That's stuff from below. It's the things of, without hypocrisy, without jealousy, without envying. And I got right here in Mark... When, when Pilate wants to give up, do you want me to give up this guy, the king of the Jews? Because he was aware these chief priests were full of envy. Jesus has some different titles he's called in the New Testament, but I heard on CSN on a radio station, one of the, um, one of the titles he was referred to the most was rabbi, teacher, or rabboni, which means great teacher. He's called... Like 60 plus times in the New Testament, the great teacher. Now, if you're a scribe or Pharisee back in the day, chief priest, 
And some guy pops up, and everyone's calling him Rabboni, great teacher. And everyone's leaving town. They're leaving Jerusalem, going all the way out to the Jordan River. This is a long way to go. They're envious. They're not bringing in the crowds like this. They don't have thousands of people gathered. How many people did he have to feed that one day with a few loaves of that kid's lunch? Do you remember? 5,000. Now, did they count the women and the children back then? Just the heads of the men. See, people don't realize that's like more like add the women plus then the children. Easily 10, 15,000 people got to eat that day. These guys were jealous. How does this guy command such a crowd? But see, when Jesus came to teach, he, didn't, he said, my teaching is not my own. My teaching is only him who sent me. I'm just here to tell you what God wants me to tell you. Our Father in heaven. And even Pilate knew. Now, Pilate's wife would come to him. This is not in this gospel, but she, you guys have read the other accounts, right, of this sister passages to this, where Pilate's wife says, I've had terrible dreams about this man. You don't do anything with him. Leave him alone. Pilate tries to get him released. But they shouted back, verse 13, crucify him. And Pilate was saying to them, why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, crucify him. And wishing to satisfy the multitude, Pilate released Barabbas for them. And after having Jesus scourged, he delivered him over to be crucified. Verse 16 then says, Then the soldiers took Jesus away into the palace, that is the praetorium, and they called together the whole Roman cohort. They got all the Roman soldiers together around Jesus. They dressed him up in purple, and after weaving a crown of thorns, they put it on him. They began to acclaim him, Hail, King of the Jews! And they kept beating his head with a reed and spitting at him and kneeling down and bowing before him. And after they had mocked him, and they took the purple off of him and put his garments on him and led him out to crucify him. There they pressed into service a passerby coming from the country, Simon of Cyrene, the father of Alexander and Rufus, that he might bear Jesus' cross. And they brought him to the place called Golgotha, or that, that's the Hebrew word, which translates into place of the skull. In Latin, it's called Calvary, what we used to call just Calvary Chapel. That's the place Jesus was crucified. Skull Chapel. Isn't that interesting? We used to have, the name of our church was Calvary Chapel, Skull Chapel. I didn't tell people that. They didn't know that's literally what it translates to. But they brought Jesus to this place and they gave, it says they tried to give him wine mixed with myrrh, but he would not take it. And they crucified him, divided up his garments amongst themselves, casting lots for them to decide who should take them. And it was in the third hour when they crucified him. And the, the inscription of the charge against him read, the king of the Jews. Now, Matthew tells us it was written not just in Hebrew, Aramaic. They put it in three different languages. They put the king of the Jews. And, and some of the Pharisees said, you should change that to say, he said he was the king of the Jews. Pilate said, look, what I've written, it stands. I ain't changing it. And so they crucified two robbers with him, one to the right, the other to the left. And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, and he was reckoned with transgressors. Here, Isaiah 53, verse 12, what we read last week comes to fulfillment. Jesus gets crucified between two thieves. 
Do you guys remember? Now, it's not here in Mark. Mark just says Jesus was crucified between two thieves in order that the scripture would be fulfilled. He's classed amongst the sinners. Remember, he he had to be he had to be in his debt with the with the transgressors, according to Isaiah. But do you remember what one of the thieves said to as it says here that they were both mocking Jesus. Let me just read verse 29 says, and those passing by were hurling abuse at Jesus, wagging their heads and saying, ha, you are going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. Save yourself and come down from the cross. And in the same way, the chief priests, along with the scribes, they were mocking Jesus among them, saying he saved others, but he cannot save himself. Let this Christ, the King of Israel, now come down from the cross so that we may see and believe. And those who were crucifying him were casting the same insults at him. So these people are all mocking him. You saved others. Save yourself. I have a question for you. If Jesus would have saved him, could Jesus have popped off the cross right there? Hovered out, you know, just pull his hands off the nails and just, he just floated above them. So I'm sick of this. Shut up. Zot you all. Bah, 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 bah. He could have done that. But if he would have saved himself, would he have saved us? No. So in order to save us, he has to give. He said, no one takes my life. I give my life as an offering. This is very important to know. Other men don't have this power, but he did. He said, I have the power to lay my life down. But even in this moment when they're casting insults, as Matthew records for us that they were mocking and everyone down there was mocking, they're hanging up there on the crosses. And the one guy says, hey, shut up. I'm paraphrasing loosely. Okay, be silent. That's the old King James. That means shut up. We're, we're getting what we deserve. We've done wrong. This man... He's done nothing to deserve this. He's innocent. Isn't it interesting that a thief, a bad guy, can tell when there's a guy who's not one of his kind? It's like, this dude is not a thief. You can tell. He's too goody two-shoes. He's, he didn't do it. He, you know what? He's innocent, and he did nothing wrong. So what did that thief just recognize? His guilt... Whose innocence? Christ. Then the next thing he said to him, the thief, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And what was Jesus' word? This day you will be in paradise with me. Question. Who believes that thief went to be in paradise with Jesus? If Jesus said it, right? He's there. That day, he was in paradise with Jesus. Now, how many church services did he attend? Did he get any attendance stickers? Gold stars? Or how many Sunday school lessons? Or how many missions trips did he go on? Or did he get baptized? Did he give money to the church? Did he do, you know, all these churches, they say you got to do all these different things to get into heaven. What did that guy do? You know what he did? He recognized his sin and acknowledged it. I'm guilty and he's innocent. Lord, would you remember me? 
If you want to boil the gospel down, this is my favorite guy. He cuts through all the baloney that all the churches have made up over the ages with all of their ridiculous teachings about you must be joined to their church, baptized in their group, be married in their church, be sealed in their temple, go on their Mormon mission, go on. You know. Oh, that's just an example. Or do their thing or give money to their group or whatever extra rules they add. When the gospel is so simple, all you have to do is acknowledge your sin and acknowledge the one who is sinless and call out to him and say, Lord, remember me. And will Jesus remember the person who calls out on him to him with a heart that says, I'm just a sinner. Would you remember me? Jesus will remember you if you ask him to. No extra frills. No, the church has made it way too complicated. They've convoluted the gospel. That's all there is. I mean, why do we make the gospel so extra complicated when it's not meant to be? You know, the things of the gospel, they're pure and peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy. They're unwavering. They're without hypocrisy. That's what James tells us. Those are the things from above. You know, I think the church needs to return to those things. We need a refreshment of the things from above. We, in fact, we need to learn to discern what is from above. Even in our own brain. Sometimes some of them thoughts, were, they're ping-ponging around like a little pinball machine. And we're going, whoa, where'd that one come from? Someone shot a ball and it's all black. It's on the game board trying to bing, 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 bing. And we're like, where's that from? Let me tell you, the devil loves to try to give us inspirations. But if you want to know for certain, is this from God? Boil it down. Just ask yourself, in that moment, that thought's flashing across your brain. Say, wait, whose interest is my interest on right now? Am I thinking about me? What I want? Or am I saying, Lord, I'll do your will. If any man, Jesus said, John 7, 17, is willing to do God's will. Just willing. You just say, I'm willing. Heart check. Lord, am I willing to do whatever you say? As soon as you become willing, and only you know whether your heart is willing. You know. Or sometimes you're like, yeah, I want God's will, but not, not in this situation. I want what I want. I want my cake, you know. God, I know I should lose some weight, but, uh, you know, that's really calling to me right now. If you're willing, you just say, Lord, I'm willing to do whatever you say. If you say push away, just stay willing. You'll know. You will know in that very moment if things are from God or if they're from man or if they're from the devil. We got different sources of our revelations. But we really need to be able to key in on God. What does He want to speak to us? Amazing Grace Kona thanks you for listening to today's lesson. You can listen to today's lesson or any of the radio lessons on iTunes titled Celebrate the Lord. And if your travels take you to Kailua Kona on the Big Island of Hawaii, come visit us. We meet Sunday mornings, 9 a.m. on the beach at the north end of the old Kona Airport. For more information on Amazing Grace Kona, go to our church website at AmazingGraceKona.com Amazing Grace Kona is the original Calvary Chapel Kona. It's wonderful, it's wonderful what Jesus did for me. It's wonderful, it's wonderful what He can do for you. My life's a celebration of His wondrous love for me. 